and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dolman. Today I am joined by two special guests. We have Sarah Rue. Sarah is the Emergency Manager for James City County. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, Renee. Lovely to be back. Glad to have you. I think you're here at least a couple times every year, getting yes. us all prepared. So, And it's uh, September, so, you know, I normally have a general stint here in September. That's so, right. That's yeah, right. For National Preparedness Month. Yep. Okay, very good. We are also joined by Larry Snyder. Larry is the Deputy Fire Chief for the City of Williamsburg. Welcome, Larry. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's uh, always so nice to come over in this beautiful setting over at the county complex, so thank you for having us. Well, this is pretty exciting because we normally do not have a guest from the city as well, but so many of our messages are the same in the greater Williamsburg area, so it makes sense that we all do this together. I would like to let everybody know that we are, this is our second time recording this. We did one version about a week ago over Zoom. It did not work out. So we are now back to more traditional podcast where we are all sitting at a huge table and we are all at least six feet apart. So we have social distancing under control. We have hand sanitizer. We are, we're ready. I will say, though, the Zoom was a lot of fun, though. There were some pretty fun occurrences that happened that, unfortunately, we're going to miss. I was just thinking the same thing. I really wish people could see that Zoom, if for no other reason. I know you can't understand us very well because the microphone situation was very poor, and that's why we're not using it. Right. But it was pretty hilarious when uh, when Larry uh, lost uh, power. So and he disappeared and then reappeared. It was it was good. It was a good emergency management experience on always being prepared. Yeah, so, that's right. It was definitely a first. And we just <laughs> carried on. We did. And then Larry joined us and right Larry back. Larry joined that's us right. right back. It was perfect. <laughs> perfect. All right. Well, normally, like Sarah has said, this is September, which is National Emergency Preparedness Month. And normally we are so fixated, especially this time every year, especially this year, on hurricanes. And I just want to say we are getting really close to an R named storm. And I think I heard Omar was named yes, yesterday. Yep. Yes. And so um, what's the R name for the storm this year? Oh, that's right. It's Renee. So while I, I do not want anyone to be injured or I don't want any damage, I'd like all the storms to spin out into the Atlantic. If we could get to Hurricane Renee, that would be really, really awesome. I'm pretty confident there's a strong possibility of that. Me too. Yeah. Now, I will say it is supposed to be the male version of Renee because it goes female, male, female, male, I believe in Correct. the names. Yep. Um, but I'm still taking it as <laughs> Renee. We spell it differently, but that's okay. I'm there still claiming it. But again, no one gets hurt. No property damage. It just spins in the Atlantic and then it goes away. Yeah. It's the nice fish storm, like the one that developed off the coast. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. That's what I want. So now that we've covered that, <laughs> there are a lot of other hazards that happen in our community that we should also be prepared for. And we're going to go over those. But before we do, you both are seasoned professionals in emergencies and in disasters and hazards. What is your number one, number one, Larry came in here with like four or five, number one, Larry, favorite or most unique preparedness tip that you've learned? 
So uh, I did some research. I had some homework given to me about this, and I actually learned a lot. Uh, the one that I would I found most interesting and I would think is the most useful for our communities uh, is using the outdoor solar lanterns that you could typically put along your sidewalks or towards your along your um, driveways. Uh, and during the day, obviously, that solar energy is going to uh, give that um, light the power, and then you can bring that light in once the um, sunset and darkness falls, and you can use them as lanterns inside your house. And what a safe way, instead of using candles or other mechanical devices, uh, to be able to illuminate your house and have a safe, effective light for your family. And um, obviously in the morning, you put them back out, they recharge with the solar power, you bring them back in and you use a, a jug or a flower pot or anything to, to kind of keep them upright. And um, they work out really well. So I thought that was a great tip to have safe lighting in your home at night. Very good, Larry. You did your homework. You did a great job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I like that idea. I had actually never heard that before. So that's a good one. All right, Sarah, what is your favorite or most unique tip? My favorite tip is uh, for ice cube trays, you put a penny on top of one of the ice cubes in the ice cube tray. And so when you lose power, um, if you come back and and or the power comes back on and you want to know how long it's been out for, um, if the penny is at the bottom of the ice cube tray, it's been um, too hot in your fridge for too long and you need to throw away the food that's there. So it's a nice tip. Um, so you might have you might evacuate mm -hmm. and go somewhere else. And you're like, well, did the power go off at my house? Mm -hmm. Did it not go off at my house? I don't know. Is the food still good in the fridge and freezer or is it not? And um, you just have to look and see, you know, is the penny frozen at the bottom of the ice cube tray or is it still on the top or somewhere in the middle? So um, that's my favorite tip. I thought it was unique. That's a great tip. I like that one too. Thanks. All right. Good job. Y'all did great on your homework. Thank you. A++. <laughs> All right, so let's get into hazards. What are some examples of other hazards besides hurricanes that we need to prepare for here in the greater Williamsburg area? Sarah, do you want to take that? Sure. Um, so, you know, there's always the potential for some sort of um, gas leak or, you know, a hazardous material truck tipping over on the interstate um, that could cause evacuations. We have tornadoes, obviously. I, I really hate bringing up terrorism because we live in such a nice community and it is very, um, I think it's uh, relatively crime-free compared to other areas. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have some high-profile businesses or historical sites within James City County and Williamsburg. Um, so it's always good to be prepared, you know, and also, unfortunately, there's um, prior to everybody staying in their homes for a long time and working from home, there's always the workplace dis disgruntled employee um, sort of incident as well, or mass casualty incident at you name it, a restaurant mm -hmm. or a school, heaven forbid, or mm -hmm. something like that, where people just need to be prepared in general, um, whether it's, you know, for hurricane season and other disasters, having a preparedness bag and a go kit, and we'll get into more of that later, mm -hmm. I know. Um, but also there's um, a new class that you can take online through FEMA to be prepared for some of these mass casualty incidents that we'll talk about in a little bit. 
Um, so just making sure that we're prepared for all hazards, the same way that um, the county and the city prepare for all hazards through their emergency operations plan, it is important that um, residents also prepare for um, any sort of disaster that could come up. So it sounds like you all just never get to go, whew, okay, we've made it through that. Okay, we're good to go until next May. Right. No, I think it's true. And, you know, Sarah had some really good points. Um, I really wanted to emphasize with tornadoes, you know, with Hurricane Easy es that was something that affected um, our Hampton Roads communities. Mm -hmm. um, and they're so unexpected and create such quick devastation. Um, you know, that that's a, large, a quick response and a long recovery type thing. Um, obviously, we have our Surrey Nuclear Power Plant, which most of our communities are well in tune mm -hmm. with, and um, our calendar guides and the, all the other information that we do for emergency preparedness. So that's another piece that's local to our community that's a little bit unique with that mm -hmm. nuclear power plant that um, we do a great job in coordinating mm -hmm. messaging and preparedness and plans and those types of things for our communities. But uh, in emergency management, there's never a day off because there's <laughs> something always unexpected that sure. um, you try to predict what the future may bring. And sometimes you're able to predict that and other times you're surprised. So it's, it's certainly a, a, a lifelong lesson in planning and being prepared. Absolutely. And a great example of that, I think, is Hurricane Laura that we knew was coming through last weekend. And it wasn't, we knew that it wasn't going to be a lot of hazard from the actual hurricane by the time it got to our area, but it was going to meet up with the cold front. And like you've said, those tornadoes right. could happen and you just, you never know. And so you have to be prepared. Yeah. I mean, personally, I didn't pick a pandemic for this year. So <laughs> no? uh, that was, that was not on my top list of disasters right. that right. I would have picked for 2020. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So what are the three Three things that everybody should do to be prepared regardless of the hazard you can get a kit stay informed and make a plan okay and this year uh, the CDC has actually come out with some special tips <laughs> for us as we prepare for hurricane season um, so the first is give yourself time to prepare so I think um, a lot of people probably remember, you know, early in the pandemic where it was very difficult and it is still difficult to get some items, mm -hmm. you know, Clorox wipes being one of them. Right. But you don't want to be standing in a long line like people normally do, you know, right before a hurricane, getting your bread and your milk and stocking up on stuff. Um, you want to plan beforehand, um, you know, have a little bit of extra food. Hopefully people are able to do that so that you're not in those long lines in the grocery store with everybody else or at Lowe's buying your generator or Home Depot or Ace or wherever you buy your generator at. Also, they suggest, if possible, home delivery. Okay. You know, you can order a lot of stuff online now. Um, so those are always good options. Um, but with that being said, I also uh, think that it's important to support your small businesses within your community. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about while being prepared. So pack your, your go kits. This year, they've added having two masks, soap, hand sanitizer, and wipes if you can find them. And then keep your distance. So whether it's in the grocery store, over at your favorite shopping center, um, or your favorite local hardware store, keep your distance from everybody else while you're also preparing. So, so this 
list uh, for the kit. I'm sure that there is a place on the internet folks can go to get a comprehensive list of everything that you can or you should have in your kit or in your go bag. Where could people go? What would be a good website? So a runny.gov, I personally think is probably the easiest. Um, It's just runny.gov. Okay. And they have a lot, they have all the different hazards on there. You can pick your hazard and they have all the things that you should do to be prepared for it. The CDC also has a special page for hurricane preparedness this year. And you can always go to our local pages too. Absolutely. Yep. You know, one of the other things that, you know, we talked about the three things in terms of the um, the kit, the plan, and being informed, mm-hmm. um, that information is going to be really important. And, of course, our audience and our communities are probably get information in many different ways. I know that James City and Williamsburg, we have our um, emergency messaging um, platforms that we use. So we encourage people to subscribe to those so that we're sending out messages. Obviously, typically, if it's affecting Williamsburg, it's going to affect James City mm, and right. vice versa. Uh, so for, you know, Williamsburg, you know, we have Williamsburg alerts that we encourage our community or even James city um, to sign up for and and that also is a, a platform for us to get out emergency messaging in terms of what the city's doing to prepare any guidance or recommendations we may have uh, and some of those are linked to the national weather service so if we do have a tornado watch and depending upon what level of um, notifications you want to get you can get some of those things right. and so um, obviously you have your tv and other social media platforms but um, i think it's important for sarah and i to talk about our communities getting into our uh, messaging systems and subscribing to that and certainly if they have any questions they can contact either one of us or mm-hmm. our fire administrations or emergency management we can help them through that okay what are the websites or how do people subscribe to i know in james city county it's jcc alert jcc yeah org. <laughs> yep and um, what about the city? Uh, so the, it's called Williamsburg Alerts. And if you just go to our uh, city's homepage and you go to emergency preparedness, there's a link that takes you to that. Okay. Um, and if it's not user-friendly or somebody has any difficulty, certainly they can contact Fire Administration um, 220-6220 and we'll certainly work them through that process. Okay, very good. And that was a good point bringing that up, Larry, about a registering, registering for our alert notification systems. Um, I don't know if you guys have this or not, but in James City County for jccalert.org, Um, We've set it up so that if there is a tornado warning or a flash flood or flooding warning, everybody, no matter what time of night or day, um, is going to get those two for sure. And um, when Fire Chief Ash and I were walking around Governor's Land, who had a tornado hit after ECES or during ECES, we had several residents that came up to us and said thank you because uh, as soon as they were getting their alerts, they were hearing the train sort of noise from the tornado as well, wow. and they were able to go to safe places. And I know for us at least, um, we've had a lot of people register right after that for JCC alert, JCC alert. Uh, .org because they had heard from their neighbors, hey, I got this from the county and it woke me up in the middle of the night. So I think that's a great point. It's um, I don't know that I know that we have the option of getting those uh, National Weather Service alerts. I don't know that we actually are able to filter down to those two specific, you know, most high risk categories for our communities. Um, we've, I've had the opposite experience where they get all the national weather alerts, so they'll get a frost advisory at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, and so that that kind of turns people off. To, right. I don't 
I'm not really necessarily concerned about that. But I mean, what a great story for folks in the governor land community to get that alert and help them be safe and be prepared and give them some awareness of. So it's something that when you look at in the city, um, I think it's a great, great idea. Do I even bring up our lightning alert? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> no. a great story. So uh, we had a, a lovely incident when we first started <laughs> jccalert.org uh, where um, people were getting woken up in the middle of the night by lightning strikes because I thought it was a good idea to have lightning strikes on there, just probably not at like midnight. Um, you know, I was thinking more about people that have kids that were out uh, playing sure. baseball or whatever, or playing soccer. Golf. You know, yeah, right. golf, right? See, yep. wouldn't it be handy yep. to know Absolutely. that there was lightning close by? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you probably didn't want every single phone in your house <laughs> going off at the same time to tell you there was lightning outside. But, uh, you know, we lived, we learned, and thankfully the lovely residents of James City County went along for the fun ride and were and – were, accommodating and, and, and understood our problem with the new system. And I've made tweaks since then. So um, the only two they get now in the middle of the night are tornado warnings or flood warnings. So. Yeah, that would that was a long night, um, you know, because there's not just one lightning sure. strike. I mean, there it just happens the entire storm. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but we survived. We did. We did. Okay. So we've talked about a kit um, and I'm assuming plans, you can get information on how to set up your plans on ready.gov Absolutely. as yep. well. Absolutely. So, and then um, Williamsburg alerts yes, with an ma'am. S at the end. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And jccalert.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Also, James City County has, and I'm, I'm sure Williamsburg has some as well, um, we have these great sheets that uh, Ruddy Virginia actually came out with several years ago, which walk you through exactly what you need in your plan, like uh, workplace phone numbers for people, school phone number. Well, I mean, I guess school's not going to be fully in session right. for a couple of weeks, but when they do start again, school phone mm-hmm. numbers, et cetera, doctors, uh, numbers, all sorts of stuff like that, what you need in your kit, emergency contact cards, staying informed so you you know different places where you can get information from. Um, another little tip that I like to uh, generally bring up is um, making while you're making your plan, make sure you have an out-of-town contact that everybody knows and that uh, they can call. So for example, the reason why I bring this up is the earthquake that happened out in Louisa several years back, mm-hmm. uh, but we did feel it in Hampton Roads. All of a sudden, everybody's on you know their cell phones trying to call loved ones within the 757 uh, area code. And um, you couldn't, you literally could not get through on phones. I worked for a different city at the time and standing there at City Hall and I actually had to use my fire department uh, radio, which is rare for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) to communicate with anybody. But you could send text messages. Sometimes they'd go through, sometimes they wouldn't. But the point is the out-of-town contact, the way the system is set up, just in general with um, phone systems, is you can make a call out of your area code if the area code is overwhelmed, but you might not be able to make a call in it. So if you have an aunt or grandma or someone who lives in like York or Minnesota or Arizona or wherever, um, make them your out-of-town contact. Make sure that everybody in the family knows that that's the person you call if you can't get a hold of mom or dad or your husband or your wife. Everybody's going to call 
Aunt Susie up in New Jersey, and Aunt Susie's going to be the one to relay any important messages like, I'm okay, or we're going to go to our meeting spot, or I'll meet you at home, or I'm picking up the kids, or whatever whatever the message is, um, because the area codes do have a, a tendency of getting overwhelmed when there is um, some sort of large large event in an area. Absolutely. Well, I know you've already alluded to this, Sarah, but the pandemic, COVID-19, is not going away sure. just because it's hurricane season. Mm-hmm. So how has COVID-19 affected our planning? How has it made things different or more difficult? Well, I think one of the biggest things, um, you know, it's changed how we plan for things. You know, it's given uh, some added conditions and variables that we have to consider. Um, simple things like Sarah was just talking about with go kits, you know, the having two masks and hand sanitizer. Those are things a year ago we weren't talking about. Right. So um, how we interact as a community and each other is um, different now um, with the social distancing and the mask wearing. Um, I think the biggest thing that certainly has impacted emergency management um, is our sheltering vision on how we're going to um, take care of our community in the event that we do have a widespread power outage or we have an area that is impacted by a tornado. You know, how are we going to manage um, those folks who may be displaced or or folks who may need to be um, housed somewhere? You know, and historically... Um, James City and Williamsburg, as we've had our own shelters, whether at Quarterpath or um, James River Elementary, um, and we've also have um, opportunities and plans where we have joint shelters together. If that's you know makes the most sense for both of us, um, and this year, you know, sheltering that type of big shelter is not our first line of defense to help our community in the event that they need housing. You know, we're looking for that more of that non-congregate housing, which is hotels or motels or timeshares or something where we can have more isolation for the families or the individuals who may need help. Um, and that's a different planning component. Right. Um, so because um, obviously the bigger shelters, you can't have as many people. You're worried about, you know, minimizing the COVID spread. And so I think it's um, take a different turn in our, in our planning practices. And uh, I think that's probably been one of the largest impacts from an emergency management standpoint is really our shelter posture and planning. Certainly, I'm sure Sarah can add more to that. Yeah, so um, James City County and Williamsburg are following the national mass care strategy this year, um, and that's the way that we're going to be operating. Um, There are multiple um, other opportunities uh, that we're talking with the state and Red Cross about um, for possibly only doing a couple regional shelters if we did have something that came up like big where you really did have to um, shelter people in a congregate care setting, which is not ideal this year, whether that's opening up more shelters or more sites so that we can have the, the spacing, um, or it is um, doing these, uh, I don't want to call them a mega shelter, but because I don't think we have anything around here that would suffice as a mega shelter, but a much larger um, regional shelter in order to um, provide that additional spacing that's needed. So um, if someone were to show up for to a shelter this year um, or be seeking, well, if they were to show up to a shelter this year uh, and 
we would have um, people outside obviously doing the normal registration, but then you would have um, someone also asking, you know, your typical COVID questions. So have you um, been in contact with some unknown COVID person within the last 14 days? Have you, uh, I'm not going to go over all of them because people know what they are by now. You fill them out on every single questionnaire when you go to the doctor's office or even for work for some people. So, um, and then also temperature checks. So, and we've worked with the state, um, the emergency managers in the region have worked with the state uh, to ask for um, testing kits for the shelters. And it's not everybody at the shelter would be tested in order to get in. But if you were one of the people that had uh, had had answered yes, like yes, I have symptoms, or yes, I was in contact in the last fourteen days. You know, we would have a special area or room for just that family, that individual, and we'd have to isolate within the shelter. Um, but yes, this year we're following the nas uh, the national mass care strategy. Um, looking at all sorts of options, whether it's congregate care or non-congregate care. And while, you know, again, Renee, I know we're talking about hurricane season because we're in hurricane season, but we don't know how long something like this is going to last, hopefully not much longer. Um, but, you know, we that that brings us into, you know, tornado season again in the, in the spring, um, winter storm season. I know when I go out and give presentations, people would always talk about the winter storm, the Christmas winter storm from several years back, the ice storm. Mm-hmm. People weren't talking about um, Hurricane Isabel up here. They were talking about this ice storm because that right. affected them and their power more than more than Isabel. So, or, you know, if you were to have some sort of chemical leak where you needed to shelter in place or go to a shelter, or if, um, you know, uh, we had some sort of nuclear incident, we would have COVID stuff related to that. So things that, you know, Larry and I wanted to talk about um, related to sheltering during COVID, and, and a lot of this has come out in the national media, especially with Laura, is not everybody needs to leave their home. Um, we are very, uh, I'm going to say blessed in James City County and Williamsburg. We do not have a whole lot of evacuation zones up here. Um, and the evacuation zones are based on storm surge models. So um, that means that there's not a lot of flooding. So what we typically say is that you run from the water and you hide from the wind. Now, there is a caveat for that. If you live in some sort of mobile home or structure that is not sturdy, then obviously, you know, you don't want to stay in that during high winds. And um, the city or the county would definitely be relaying that message that, you know, people in these sorts of housing, you, you need to evacuate or make your own plans. Also, things to think about, I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't want to go to a shelter this year. You know, I just personally, um, I, I don't like going to the grocery store anymore, (laughs) which is the (laughs) truth. You know, all of a sudden my fun Friday night of wandering around, you know, a a department store is gone. Like that's not fun for me anymore. So I've given that background to, to say, you know, the, the city and the county are obviously going to do, um, what we can, but we cannot guarantee that any sort of shelter that we would open, um, you know, that there wouldn't be the potential for you to get COVID because, you know, 40% of the people that get it are asymptomatic Mm -hmm. and 
We just can't. The same way you can't guarantee it when you go to the grocery store or, or wherever, you know. Make a plan now. So this is why we're talking now. Make a plan now. Um, talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Talk to coworkers. You know, if you feel that you're not in a safe house or if you are in one of our evacuation zones, you know, you don't have to go that far. You just have to be out of the evacuation zone. So check around with friends and family um, to see if you can stay with them if you needed to. Other opportunity would be, you know, we do have a lot of lovely hotels and motels around here that unfortunately are not as full as they normally are. And they're definitely normally not full once we get past, you know, Labor Day. Um, So, uh, you know, check and see maybe that's the best option for you. Um, And then the fourth and and final option would honestly be to to look or seek shelter from your local government. Um, And with that, in James City County, we have actually, uh, because we need your help, if you feel that you might be in a place where you would need to seek shelter for some sort of wind event um, or water event, we have a emergency shelter screening survey. Um, it's on our DSS page on the county webpage. Mm-hmm. It's also on the emergency management webpage. We're asking for people to pre-register on there. There's some questions. You will get a call back from uh, one of our lovely DSS staff to go over planning with you a little bit more and see exactly uh, what your needs are. Or you can also call, if you're um, not a huge fan of computers or computer savvy, you can call 757-259-3100. Again, I'll say it one more time, 757-259-3100. And they will also be more than willing to help you with that. So that's part of the county's plan. You can help us plan, um, you know, if we know about how many people could possibly be seeking shelters um, during some sort of event that that helps us with our our numbers and our staffing and our plans. So, Sarah gave some really great advice, and that's been part of our messaging. That's been different this year for our community. We were just in a um, CERT Sector One meeting last night, where we were really emphasizing that shelter in place, and mm-hmm. that's something that I don't know that we have emphasized as much as we have this year. Um, and it's, again, it's not because we don't want to open a shelter or, you know, we don't want to provide that service or capability to our community. Truly, they're safer at home or in someone else's um, home or um, another friend's or anywhere else, as opposed to being in a large building with other folks who may they, they may not know. So, you know, I, I think it's an important thing that even else, once this pandemic is over, I think you're going to see some changes with um, within emergency management of, you know, really sheltering in place and, and having more of a personal plan instead of getting to that number four level within that mass care um, tiered structure in terms of, you know, shelter options. And um, that certainly has been a big change for us this year in that shelter in place. Now, Larry, do I understand correctly that the city of Williamsburg does not have any evacuation zones for storm surge? Yeah, we do not have any. So the, the Know Your Zone campaign, which is um, sponsored and really encouraged by our Virginia Department of Emergency Management um, is not applicable for citizens or anybody in the city of Williamsburg. Um, you know, back in the 1600s when they went from Jamestown up to <laughs> Williamsburg, they chose it because it's on the knoll of the peninsula. So it's something that we're really lucky um, about. But what that does 
does for us from a planning perspective is maybe folks who are further down in Hampton Roads, maybe uh, Williamsburg is going to be an area of refuge for those hotels and things that Sarah has talked about, or even James City County for that matter. Uh, so we may have an increase in people here just trying to evacuate from whatever storm is coming. Well, and you just said exactly what I was leading into. So if your house is good and safe, I'll get your address at the end of the podcast and yes, put it ma'am. on the screen. Absolutely. That um, anybody from James City County can go to Larry's Absolutely. house. Absolutely. My wife would love that. And we have two boys <laughs> that you can help watch. Very good. Very good. Uh, Renee, can yeah, I? Yeah, please. Larry reminded me. Um, so VDAM has come out with uh, new hurricane guides for this year. Yep. And they're supposed to be in the mail. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're supposed to be getting them any day now. And um, we will be um, putting them out within the community at our normal spots within, you know, in the county. We put them at all of our county public buildings, anywhere I can find a leaflet holder. (laughs) That's where they go. And this year um, they even uh, made some changes. First change is that um, the coloring of the evacuation zones have changed. Now, the zones themselves have not changed. It's just the color of the zone that has changed. So, for example, A used to be blue. Now A is going to be red. And then it goes down from there. So red, orange, yellow, blue. Okay. So um, in James City County, we only have a b and c zones we do not have a d zone so you will not be seeing that blue anymore on um, the james city county evacuation zone area and they also have added um you know the cute little covid symbol (laughs) (laughs) to um new suggestions for this year i.e the mask the hand sanitizer those sorts of things to add to your go kit and for planning purposes uh, you know, what we talked about earlier, which is staying with friends or that sort of thing. So, yeah, well, I think that was going to be important. I was going to say the same thing. You know, we just got the electronic version of the hurricane mm. preparedness guide with that COVID lens, if you will, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. And, um, I was also going to put it in the same plug for uh, county or city residents that, you know, for the city, you can come into the fire station, you go to the municipal building, um, we can get those to you. Or if you just need to call the fire station, we need to bring them to your house. We'll certainly do that. If that's for some of our, um, elderly population or more vulnerable population that just doesn't feel comfortable leaving. Um, it certainly is a great resource when we talk about those other areas of the kits and the plan and being informed. Right. And it is very comprehensive. It's not just about evacuation zones. Right. It is about everything you would ever want to know, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of hurricanes. And like what we've been talking about today, your preparation for a hurricane can be your preparation as well for all of the other hazards. That Absolutely. May. Did y'all see how I did that? Yeah. I like brought it back to the Yeah. I'm pretty proud of that. You're extremely talented. You should look at this for as a career. I should, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Larry. All right. So um, back to serious. I understand that there's a program called Heads Up, but I don't really know much about it. Can you all talk about that? That's a Larry can That's start that. That's a Larry. Yep. So, um, so the city has what we call a special needs registry. Okay. Um, you can go to the city's website and you can go into the search bar and put in special needs registry. Um, if you also go to the police page, you can find it, it is, is also labeled as heads up. And what that is, is a program that individuals can um, sign up for. And it's a sheet. It's an information sheet that talks about um, some of the things that you may need, whether it's oxygen, whether it's medications, whether you have a disability, whether you have access issues or any 
of those types of things that uh, may be unique to you that's important for us to know from an emergency management standpoint. Um, and really our human services, our police and fire are a part of that program. Human Services really manages it for the city of Williamsburg. Um, so if you can't find it on our website and you have questions about the special needs registry, you certainly can contact our Human Services at 220-6161. And uh, anybody who answers the phone can certainly help you with that. Uh, the, the important part about the special needs registry from for us, from an emergency management, fire, and police standpoint, uh, it's, it's another planning tool. Um, so when Hurricane Easy Eas was going through and we had a couple of power outages, we're able to pull our registry list and figure out, okay, who in these neighborhoods who may not have power should we go check on or, or we know has specific needs that we need to help them with? Um, and we were at, ready for that. Um, and sometimes whether you have to evacuate them, it starts helping you determine what size bust what I need to do if I can't get anybody in there. So for us, it's a really good planning and situational tool, situational awareness tool. Um, and we really encourage our citizens who have needs who may have some um, vulnerabilities that uh, others don't to, to register for that. And again, if you have questions, please contact our human services is that 220-6161. Okay, very good. How about you, Sarah? Um, so we have a, actually ours are, we have two. So um, there is the heads up program, which is run under 911. And you can uh, go to that webpage and fill out an electronic form. And it um, provides them with lots of different information. It could be there's some sort of special access to your house or something. I mean, so it's just a heads up for the uh, fire and police who could be responding to your house that there's someone with this sort of medical need or that, or, you know, it's, so it's a heads up. Um, there is a separate program through a DSS for a special needs registry, and they can go to the DSS website or call the phone number that I mentioned earlier. And so when we've been saying DSS, that's Department oh. of Social Services. Sorry, I talk in acronyms all day long. <laughs> so how can people be more involved in disaster or hazard planning in the county and the city? James City County and Williamsburg have a grant for CERT, which is Community Emergency Response Team, and CART, which is our Community Animal Response Team, that we jointly do classes and those sorts of things. Um, we'll be putting out information about when the next classes will be for those. Obviously, due to COVID and, and um, size restrictions, we're might offer more or we might I'm trying to work on doing a, a remote class where you video mm -hmm. where our teacher stands in front and we have a camera set up in the back and some sort of system whether it's WebEx or Zoom or something and people can attend class that way um, and ask questions because there'll be someone monitoring it in the back we're going to try. So those, I don't have any exact dates for you mm -hmm. right now, but that's where we're at with that. CART, same thing. CART is our community animal response team, and that is for when we open up shelters. So um, we need to be able to provide uh, a, a safe place for people's pets too, because one of the things that we saw in Katrina, unfortunately, was a lot of people passed away because they did not want to leave their pets. And I wouldn't want to leave my dog either. So, you know, so we, uh, so we have a team that's set up just to do that. And, oh, and then obviously volunteering with the health department and uh, MRC, they're always looking for volunteers right now. And that's uh, based out of Newport News, but um, they do have people up here uh, that help us. So 
Yeah, I would, you know, I would say the same thing with our CERT uh, programs. Again, as, as Sarah said, they're joint. Um, you know, I, I reflect on the last time we did our podcast, maybe some missed opportunities to talk about how other volunteerism opportunities. Uh, we, we have a lot of um, uh, nonprofit groups in our, um, in our community that do amazing work with all different types of uh, folks in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would encourage you to, to look at some of the nonprofit groups that may be able to be, you could maybe serves as a niche, whether it's Meals on Wheels or uh, Faith in Action or any of those types of things. Um, you know, for the city, obviously, you know, we have a volunteer component to our fire department. Mm-hmm. Another great opportunity for folks if they're interested in this as a career to come and help and, and get some of that training. Um, but again, I think the CERT program, you know, volunteering with Fire and EMS, so that's something that you're interested in. And then uh, trying to figure out a support role with our, our nonprofit groups throughout this community that just do a really tremendous work, whether that's the food bank or other things. Those are other opportunities uh, that impact emergency management that our folks can um, get involved with, that that's kind of a role that they think is a good fit for them. All right. And now might be the right time, Brene, since we're talking about volunteering and training and things, is to bring up FEMA's new um, web-based training program, which is called You Are the Help Till Help Arrives. And um, it's an online course that people can take. You do get a certificate at the end. Um, And it uh, teaches you what to do during a mass casualty incident. So call 911, stay safe, stop the bleed, position any injuries, provide comfort. I really wish we weren't in a point where we need to create a special course for people to to be prepared in case it takes a little bit for um, police or fire to arrive on scene to provide, um, you know, that basic instant help. Um, that's why it's called the You Are the Help Until Help Arrives. So it's a it's a new FEMA-based uh, training. Uh, it's, it's more targeted for your mass casualty sort of incidents. But at the same point, you can have injuries during a hurricane mm-hmm. um, or a tornado. Uh, so I think um, some of the the wound stuff that they go over and things um, would be helpful really honestly during any disaster. And I would just piggyback with that. I would say that um, obviously it's great opportunity for training that's applicable whenever, but what a great time frame for this training to roll out when everyone's at home and right. may, you know, be looking for something to do. A lot of our yeah. virtual learning, um, you know, maybe that's a great way to, to fill in some time to prepare you and your family or your community. So um, I think it fits really nicely with this current environment that we're in. Absolutely. And while we're looking to fill time with your family, <laughs> there were several things that I forgot to say under our planning segment. Okay. So um, I would like to go over a couple of them right now. One is this emergency financial first aid kit that FEMA came out with. It is fabulous. It gives you a whole bunch of things. So we always tell you, okay, make sure you have all your important documents in a Ziploc bag or in a waterproof container, or you have them on a thumb drive or maybe both um, so that you can take them with you when you have to leave. And then you have all of your, your important information. Well, What's your important information? How do I know really what's important? Some stuff's kind of obvious, like homeowner's insurance. That's, you know, a good one. Um, And, uh, you know, your driver's license, you know, your deed to your house, if you have that, all sorts of things. In here, this, this book is 36 pages long, and it goes over everything that you could possibly need um, to include, you know, your credit card information, insurance policy, financial obligations, 
tax statement? Do you have any estate planning stuff that you need to bring in with you or bring with you? Uh, sources of income, financial accounts and other assets. Um, even if you know, you're not doing this to prepare for a disaster, quite honestly, I think um, this, this book is good for just anybody to get a little bit more organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, passports, any military discharge records, marriage license, divorce decrees, um, birth certificates, all sorts of things. So it and it literally walks you through and has lines for you to fill in and points of contact and all sorts of good things in there. Where do people get that book? We have some at James City County in the emergency management office. So if they just want to contact Caroline, um, they can call 757-565-7617 and they can uh, get this book. Great. Yeah. Speaking of insurance policies, um, I'm hoping people check their insurance policies in the spring like we kind of remind people to, but there's a lot of stuff that happened in the spring this year, so I know I didn't get around <laughs> to everything that I normally do before hurricane season officially hits. But um, now's a good time <laughs> to go back and look at your insurance policy, make sure nothing has changed in your home or your rental where you need to cover more. Um, it's also important to look at um, any special uh, deductibles that you have. Um, I know a lot of the insurance companies have now added like a high wind deductible. So um, a couple years ago um, with one of the storms that surprised a lot of people because they were thinking they would pay their normal homeowners insurance deductible of, I don't know, $500 or something. And, but it was actually a deductible of like $2,000, you know, so they totally weren't prepared for that. Changes like that sometimes get made without you realizing it. Um, so it's important to go back and check your insurance policies and make sure that you, you you fully understand what's covered, what's not, and if there's any special deductibles or anything uh, for any sort of hazardous weather. And that goes back to the flooding. Flooding isn't covered under um, you know your normal homeowner's insurance. That's something that you have to purchase separately. You can buy it through your, your normal agent, but flood insurance if you happen to be in one of those areas that floods or uh you know anywhere it rains it can flood I feel like i'm talking a lot larry and <laughs> no, i'm I, just I, leaving you out i got a whole list here no i think you're doing great <laughs> i think you're doing great okay well i mean if there's anything that you want to in, in, interject please please uh please just do so um under the kit portion we talked about get a kit have a plan stay informed i forgot to mention the new norm is one week of food, you know, and water. We talked a lot previously about, you know, making sure that you went and got stuff early so you could do the social distancing thing and not be in the grocery store with everybody else getting their stuff. But make sure that you have that one week of food and water. It's important to have... Um, any adaptive equipment that you might need. So by adaptive equipment, it could be glasses, it could be your walker, it could be a wheelchair, it could um, be a whole bunch of different things. So if you're like me and you wear contacts, you wanna make sure that you have extra contacts or uh, definitely know that you're, where your glasses are and um, make sure that they're still um, the right prescription or whatever any sort of special diet stuff that you might need to have around. Another 
tip. I know you said we could only have one, but this is my other second favorite tip that this I always no mention. Fair. I know. She just slid that right in there, she didn't did. she? I, yeah. I, I had to, though. It's a really good tip. So, um, so if the power goes out and you do need to buy stuff a couple days later, um, you know, it's a good idea to have some cash on hand. Right. So I know right now a lot of stores, and I don't know how this is going to work, but a lot of stores are like pay with credit card, pay with credit card, pay with credit card. We don't really want to handle cash. Mm-hmm. But if the power goes out, there is a uh, cash is like it because <laughs> right. places really don't take checks anymore. Um, and if uh, the and if the power's out for the store not to be able to take your credit card, ten to one, the ATM that you go to is not going to have power either. So if you think that you're going to go get your cash later after the storm or whatever, you might not be able to because there might not be power at your ATM. And so if you are hoarding your coins yes. at home, because apparently that's a thing. That's true. Um, you true. can all, it would be a good time to break open that piggy bank and it, get it out those be. pennies. Yep. The only thing I would add to Sarah's very comprehensive list, great information. Um, you know, we talked about last time was uh, medication. And if your medication yep. needs to be stored and um, especially if it needs to be stored in a refrigerator, having a, um, a means to be able to do that, whether that's some type of cooler or some type of uh, something that you can keep cool for that week long that Sarah's talking about so that you can ensure that you have the medication that you need to, um, to stay healthy and well. Okay. And um, then also we don't want to forget our pets. So make sure that you have um, a little bit extra for your pet food, bowl, crate, medicines, et cetera, for your, and, and your vaccination records um, for your pets in case you have to evacuate, well, in case you evacuate, and then obviously you're going to take them with you. So you need to have um, that sort of stuff with them as well. And for the food safety and stuff, I didn't mention this earlier, but you can go to foodsafety.gov and CDC Food Safety, and they have great sheets on how to make your water safe. So if we had um, an issue, and it wouldn't have to be a hurricane, it could be, you know, here we go, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole again, but it could be someone um, hit a water main mm-hmm. or something. So how do you make your water safe? What's the right amount of bleach? You know, you obviously don't want to put too much in there. How long do you boil water for before it becomes clean? So they have great stuff in there. They also have eat safe food. So when to throw perishables out from your refrigerator, what things keep longer, and um, clean and sanitize things that touch food in a, in a four-step process. So there's lots of good information out there to, to keep people safe for any disaster related to to food safety as well, which I don't think we really talk about that much. Another thing, and Larry's probably going to be the expert on this, it's really not going to be me, but talking about running generators. So I have to bring this up mainly because of what we were seeing after Laura. So um, unfortunately, as of the last time I checked, so numbers might have changed, Um, The last time I checked, there had been 14 deaths due to Laura down in uh, the Louisiana area. Mm. However, the really sad part is, is that eight of those deaths were due to carbon monoxide poisoning and people not using their generators properly. So, Larry, you got some tips from the fire department? Yeah, I would say, uh, one, if you're going to use a generator, make sure you have a carbon monoxide alarm. Uh, Make sure it's battery powered. It's not relied upon electrical power. 
um, and have those certainly in the different areas of her home, depending upon if it's a two-story home, certainly have one on the second floor, one on the first floor. Um, you know, a lot of folks, uh, the generators are very sensitive when it's still raining, so people try to get them in an enclosed space. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll use a garage or a crawl space if it's big enough for their home. And, um, you know, we've even seen locally, and certainly as you re- uh, reported with Laura, um, you know, that off-gassing from those generators is going to be, create that CO, and um, they need to be away from the house. Now, I believe, I don't remember the specific distance, but I think it's at least five or 10 feet away from the house, if I remember correctly. But it needs to be outside, um, and you need to make sure it has, wherever the exhaust is pushing out, it has good ventilation to get out into the air away from your home. It's not going to get into your crawl space or other places like that. So certainly a great resource to have to help protect your family, but it can be a very dangerous resource as well. So you want to make sure that, again, it's appropriately distanced from your house, um, even fueling them. You know, if you're out of power for a long period of time, um, a lot of people, what we call, they'll hot fuel it, which is while the generator is still running, they'll still put um, the gasoline in. And I've Obviously, the generator is hot, and if any of the gasoline gets in any of the hot parts of the generator, it could create a flash or in a fire. So uh, making sure that you turn it off and actually um, let it cool for a little bit and then turn and um, go ahead and fill up the generator. Those are just some of the practices. Uh, and certainly, uh, ready.gov or a lot of different websites talk about generator safety and emergency preparedness messaging, um, which is a critical piece um, for that type of resource. Absolutely. And Larry, I don't know if you have a whole house generator, but you may want to get one just, you know, referring back because the county's coming. This is true. This is true. I'll make sure we put that in. That would be great. Thanks. I did have one um, uh, hack Uh for, um, for dogs or for pets um, as I was doing my research and Sarah's probably heard of this. And um, so obviously if we're in a, in a wind event or a rain event and let's say it's 12 hours, your, your pet may have to go outside to use the restroom and you may not feel safe to do that. And so one of the, uh, the uh, hurricane emergency preparedness hacks that they show online it's getting a little baby pool and keep it in your house and and doing some type of like turf so you can go out before the storm and use a little shovel to get some enough of your grass and maybe a little bit of soil and you layer that and it's almost like it's its own sod thing Hmm. um and so if you have a dog or a cat that needs you obviously cats probably have their own litter box but dogs specifically use a baby pool with some turf you put it somewhere in your house where you feel comfortable for it to be and um it would be a way for to make sure that your pets are able to use the restroom if it's inclement weather outside i thought that was a pretty neat idea very good. Okay. Now y'all are even because that was your second tip. <laughs> That's so right. you are even. And again, you may want to get a lot of baby pools. That's right. Maybe I will. People are going to bring their dogs. So, <laughs> all right. So, and, and then Renee, I'm sorry. I, I think I'm done with something. And then I find in my notes, I'm like, oops, I didn't talk about that either. And I really wanted to. So going back to going back to volunteering and, and classes and stuff for people to do while they're with their family or social distancing or being at home, et cetera, not going out as much. The Sky Storm Spotter Program offered by the National Weather Service is a fabulous program um, to take online. Um, and they can uh, visit weather.gov forward slash Skywarn and become a Skywarn spotter. Even if you just want to learn more about weather and you, you know, you don't feel comfortable doing the whole spotter thing. Um, it's a great uh, class just to know more about, hey, what's that cloud mean? And, uh, you know, weather patterns and how, how um storms are formed and lightning and all sorts of stuff. So I highly suggest if people have a little bit of extra time to also um, go and do that class. And I think, Renee, (laughs) I think 
I think I'm basically done okay. <laughs> with my list, which was honestly a probably a more comprehensive list than we normally do. But Larry and I also, I know uh, James City County does for sure, and I'm sure Williamsburg, we normally are out and about pounding the pavement in September doing national preparedness events, whether um, it was, you know, I, we were scheduled to do movie night. Mm-hmm. And there is no such thing as movie night anymore in James City County. You know, um, I know Larry and them do lots of, you know, festivals and stuff and they have their booths out and yep. things and go talk to um, civic groups and homeowners associations who are having meetings and everybody's doing Zoom now. I mean, I'm not opposed to joining your homeowners meeting for a Zoom call if people really want me to, but it's just not the same as going to a building. And, um, you know, also doing programs like a preparedness day, like we were going to do this year, which was going to be very comprehensive. And, um, but I think we covered, that's why I had my list. (laughs) I think we covered all of the highlights that people would have gotten, especially from preparedness day in what Larry and I have talked about and, and the podcast. So, um, I'm hoping people stuck with us. I know it's a much longer <laughs> podcast than normal. That's all right. It's all good information. <laughs> so. Well, I think that there has been one thing that you had planned okay. to do for Preparedness Month that okay. has not been derailed. Right. And you want to talk about that? Sure. I sure do. So for those listeners <laughs> that have stuck with us for this long, um, Preparedness Day uh, was going to be a day where we covered basically all the same information we did here, just maybe a little bit more extensively and did some handouts and like worked with you on making your plan or worked with you on starting your kit. Um, and so as as part of that, we had gotten a grant to give out kits for preparedness and we are going to for those lucky listeners that have stuck with us this far and it's the first 50 people from Williamsburg and the first 50 people from James City County that can answer the following questions and I'll get to the questions in a minute they will get a preparedness backpack and not only will they get the backpack as a starter kit there's you know flashlights and I can't remember everything that we got in there because each kit you can pick multiple different kits with multiple different things in them. And I can't remember which one we picked, but uh, there will be a, a starter kit f- to get you going on your preparedness kit. You will get all of these wonderful guides that I have talked about today. So the emergency financial first aid kit, the food safety and boil water stuff, the how to you know start your plan, um, get informed. For those that have um, children in the house, FEMA has actually come up with a game called Ready to Help, and it's a card game. The game teaches you to stay safe, stay calm, get help, give info, give care. And um, that's one thing that I guess we didn't hit on on making sure that you had in the kit was something to keep the kids entertained because if the power goes out and you don't have enough battery power in whatever game device they're using, (laughs) you might have to go back to the old solitaire, which is what I did when we we (laughs) lost power, was actual cards, (laughs) playing deck of cards in solitaire. So uh, we can help you maybe possibly entertain the kids for a little bit with this uh, ready to help. So that will be in there too for those that tell us that they have children in the home. So you can send your questions or your answers 
to emergency.management at jamescitycountyva.gov. I know that is one long email. (laughs) (laughs) Emergency.management at jamescitycountyva.gov. Or you can call 757-565-7617. And I've said that a couple times, and I think Renee's going to put it up on a little screen here for us. And the questions are, name two new items that you need to add to your emergency preparedness kit this year. So Larry and I have covered that. How many days of food and water should you have on hand? Now, this one, I missed it in my sheet. So um, (laughs) I'm just going to give it to everybody. So how long can you leave food in the freezer after the power goes out? And the answer is... To the penny goes to the bottom of the cup. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's... that's that's the non-scientific answer. <laughs> good callback, though. Very good. According to the CDC or foodsafety.gov, it's supposed to be 48 hours in a full freezer and 24 hours in a half-full freezer. So there's that one. What is FEMA's new web-based training for response to mass casualty events? And the fifth one is where can you go to get more information on preparedness? I'm just excited we got to sit here and talk with you, and I hope that the listeners got something out of this, and hopefully James City County and Williamsburg residents are more prepared than they were previously, and hopefully a couple of our little tips and tricks is useful for people. Okay. What about city folks? How do they send in their questions? Oh, yes. So it's, it's for both of us. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, it's for both of us. So James, James City County is just going to handle it because okay. we currently are the um, storage site for the backpacks. Okay. So it's just easier for us to do it. There was no room at Larry's house? No, Larry no. has a small little building, so. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but certainly if any of our city residents, I certainly can call that number yes. or the email that Sarah provided. And, um, and if we have hopefully 50 city residents, we'll go and get them and bring them to the fire station or the municipal building if we need to, or whatever um, logistics process we need to, to establish to make sure people get their kits. Very right. good. Yep. And and so with that, I, I, I didn't thank you, Renee, for the logistics portion of that. I was trying to wrap up and I got ahead of myself again. That's all right. Call the number or email us. And um, as part of that, you let us know if you want your kit delivered, but socially distant. So we'll drop it off at your house or your workplace, but like socially distant. Um, or you can always come to fire administration in James City County or over to Williamsburg's fire uh, administration and um, pick them up there. So that's one of those uh, logistical uh, questions that you will be asked along with if there's any children in the home and if you would like that game as well. So five questions. Sarah has given us the answer to one of the five. So really four questions and send those responses in and we'll get you your backpack. Yes, ma'am. That sounds great. That's a lot of fun. All right. Well, I do believe that we have covered everything. I mean, I guess there could be locusts and things like that that we have. um, Murder hornets. We didn't cover those. (laughs) But I think we've covered everything. Is there anything you'd like to add? 
before we wrap up? I don't, not me. I just want to say thank you for having me. You know, again, it's always a joy to come over here and spend time with you two ladies. Um, I think I learned just as much as hopefully our listeners have as well. So uh, thank you for the opportunity and being here. Appreciate that. Thank you. Anything else from you, Sarah? No, I thought I was done with my list. Oh and my this gosh! Time I, and I and I still found something. So no, I, I this time, Renee, for sure, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so until next time. Until next time, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for coming in and participating in the socially distanced podcast. I really appreciate it, especially since you all had to do this not once but twice. Um, but I think this time was even better. So I'm. Um, pretty impressed with us. We're awesome. So thanks again so much for coming in. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to go online, go to our website. We're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you're going to be able to find all of our podcast episodes, as well as a form that you can complete, give us show ideas, comments, critiques. We would really love to hear from you. So once again, thank you so much. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and send in those answers so you can get your backpacks and we will talk to you next week.